a word from Dr. Michael Youssef about the coming of Jesus to begin this episode of Leading the Way Audio. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, he said, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Thank you for joining people around the world for Leading the Way a listener-supported worldwide gospel ministry featuring the teaching of Atlanta pastor and author, Dr. Michael Youssef. Death has always been seen as a mystery, but really, it's not. The Bible reveals that when people pass from this life, they're immediately ushered into eternity. And today, on Leading the Way, Dr. Youssef guides you to the words found in 1 Thessalonians showing that even though death comes with a sting and pain, it's also full of hope because of Christ. That is a a comment that is often made by nominal Christians and non-believers when they come to a funeral or a memorial service for a believer in this church. The comment is often made, we have never been to a funeral like this before. And if I heard this once through the years, I've heard it a hundred times. While they often do not know and don't even ask or comprehend why the reason for having an uplifting and uh, great worship time and, and celebration in many ways, we know the secret. And it's found in verse 13 of chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. Turn to it with me as we continue in this series of messages. Verse 13 says, We do not grieve like those who are without hope. See, the Bible does not say we do not grieve. Paul does not say that we don't grieve over our loved ones when they go to glory. That we don't shed tears over our loss or that we don't feel deep sorrow in our hearts, or that we don't feel that emptiness that their departure brings. No. He said, we just don't grieve like those who have no hope. Our grieving is very different. Our grieving is saying goodbye to someone whom we're going to meet again. And meeting again, make no mistake about it, we will. And the truth is, Every time a believer goes to heaven, it should be a reminder for every one of us of our own mortality. It should be a reminder. It should help us to undermine this false sense of security that we're going to be here forever and we're never going to die. It's not going to happen to us. But in addition to all of that anxiety, some of the Thessalonians actually thought the return of Christ must be around the corner, so they gave up their jobs and they became idle. They just said, well, if he's going to come back, might as well not get up in the morning and go to work. (laughs) And to top it all, some of them thought that the parousia, or that's the Greek word for the return of Christ, that the parousia has come, has happened, and they missed out on it. That's why in verse 13, Paul begins by saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. (laughs) I know it's a politically incorrect word, but let me tell you something. Ignorance is not a bliss. 
I know we joke about ignorance, but ignorance is not a bliss. Far from it. Ignorance brings about disastrous consequences. We're seeing it all around us. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, he's saying that we should not grieve because ignorance can cause us to grieve, but knowledge, enlightened knowledge does not grieve like them. And so we don't grieve like them, but rather our grieving is not a hopeless grieving. <laughs> and that's what knowledge does. It gives us that ability to grieve not like the hopeless ones. And that is the believer's death. He calls it sleep. You have to understand that when Semitic languages, in the Semitic languages, the verb to be is not often used. So they do shortcuts. For example, I grew up with the Semitic language, and if I take a picture of my grandson, I don't say, this is a picture of my grandson. I say, this is my grandson. It's just how the language is. And here when Paul said, death is sleep, he is saying, it's a metaphor to saying, death for the believer is like sleep. With all of what we understand about sleep, it is a temporary separation. We don't have a great fellowship while we're asleep. We don't have a great time of conversation. Now, some people might talk in their sleep, but we rest when we sleep. It's a state of temporary separation. Sleep is also a departure from what troubles us in life. You could have a, a bad day, and you're upset, and you're frustrated, and you've got problems, but then when you're blessed to go to sleep, what happens? All of that is forgotten while you're asleep. These are all the things that Paul is using in order to give you that metaphor about the death of the believer as a sleep. Now, there are some people who teach that when a believer dies, the soul goes to sleep. That is not biblical. I'm going to show you right now. It is not biblical. In fact, I'm going to show you from the Word of God, not my opinion. <laughs> the Bible teaches clearly that the moment the believer checks out of here, goes straight to heaven. Example number one, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Absence from the body is at home where? With the Lord. Philippians 1, 23. Paul expressed a desire to depart and be with Christ. Why? It is far better. If his soul goes to sleep, how can it be better? <laughs> He's better staying alive and commune with the Lord through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Luke 23, 43. Jesus promised the repentant man on the cross next to him. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Not when your soul wakes up from his sleep. In Matthew 17, 3, we see that Moses and Elijah were on the Mount of Transfiguration. So much so that Peter and the other two disciples recognized them. They were not ghosts. Uh, they were not uh, floating souls. They were in a glorified body. How else would they have recognized them? In Revelation chapter 6, verse 9, the Apostle John tells us that the martyrs are speaking in heaven. Above all, in Luke 16, 19, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself taught us that the redeemed will immediately be in the presence of the Lord, while the unsaved immediately go into a state of conscious suffering and torment and pain immediately, not after the soul wakes up. And that is what Paul is talking about, that the death of the unsaved is without a hope. 
<laughs> and that is why it is a hopeless death and hopeless funerals and, and hopeless memorial services. Their end is so terrifying hopelessness. Their end will have no place to escape from where they are. But those who are in Christ, they will experience blessed hope right away, glorious reward right away, and joyful eternity right away. See, that is what the Christian death is all about. And that is why it's not hopeless. It is not helpless. And so, what does Paul really say about this parousia, this return of Christ, uh, that rapture? Well, you see it, verses 14 to 15. Look at it in your Bibles. He says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Far from fearing that those who have died will be at a disadvantage. Far from it. They'll be already with Him. They're going to show up with Him. They will be with Him on that great rendezvous in the sky. <laughs> because I want to tell you what the Apostle Paul is saying to every one of us is this, that our hope of the return of Christ to take us home to glory is not based on the shifting sands of philosophical speculation. It is not built on some religious mythology. It is not founded on fable that just make people feel good about death and feel it a little easy. No, 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 no. The truth is the Lord's return is based upon three unshakable foundations, three unshakable historical evidences. The death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the revelation of Christ. If you believe that Jesus died on a cross and rose again, even so. Say even so. Even so. Hear me right on this one. By virtue of his substitutionary death on the cross, by virtue of his death on our behalf on the cross, by virtue of him paying for the wages of our sin that we should have been paid, uh, by virtue of redeeming us on the cross, we have become accepted by God the Father and welcomed into his presence. That's what he's saying. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. But here's something. It's going to bless your socks as it blessed my socks. <laughs> when Paul refers to the death of the believer, he calls it what? Sin. Right. But then when he refers to the death of Christ, he calls it death. I want to tell you why I'm getting ready to shout here. <laughs> Do you know why? Do you know what that means? It means that Jesus experienced the full fury of death with all of its dimensions, so that we may only sleep. <laughs> that Jesus experienced the punishment of sin, so that we may live to righteousness. That Jesus experienced death fully, so that we may experience sleep. Jesus experienced death with all of its horrors, so that we may experience joy in death. That He rose from the dead so that He may assure us of our own resurrection. That Jesus is triumphed over the grave so that we can have His triumph. That Jesus was never abandoned to the grave, and now we too will never be abandoned to the grave. 
So whether you fall asleep or you're going to be around when Jesus comes back, it makes no difference. That's really the point Paul is making. It makes no difference. On that great day, we're all going to be united together. On that great event, we will all join in this momentous occasion. On that day, we will be united together without the possibility of separation ever again. Of that moment, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, he said, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Amen. So the question is, when will that great day take place? The most exciting part, verses 16 and 17. As Paul describes what happens on that great day. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. I'm telling you, I'm getting ready to shout because I know what I'm going to say. He says, the Lord himself. He did not say he's going to send a deputy. Or he's going to send a representative. Or he's going to send a prophet. Or he's going to send an angel. No, sorry, the Lord himself is going to show up. And every eye is going to see him. And whether those who believed in him or not, they will see him. Some will mourn and some will rejoice. Just like the angel told the disciples on that great day of ascension, after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, when their jaws were dropping, seeing the beloved Jesus with whom they lived for three years and one-third of a year, ascending up to heaven. He said to them, why are you looking up? This same Jesus, not another Jesus, not some Mahdi, not some Messiah, but that same Jesus whom you've seen taken from you, he will come back in like a manner. Amen belongs here. But that's not all. He says, going to be a shout. There's going to be a shout. Let me tell you about that shout. That word has a military connotation. It has a military tone about it. And it is used by a commander who is summoning his troops. That's really where it is borrowed from. It's from the military world. That the commander is going to call his faithful soldiers, and they come immediately running. What that means to us is this. Listen carefully. Every one of Jesus' faithful soldiers are going to hear that shout. Every one of his faithful soldiers are going to respond to that shout. Every one of his faithful soldiers are going to rejoice for that shout. Every one of his faithful soldiers are going to leap for joy when they hear that shout. And then there is the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet is going to sound. And this is going to be universally heard. It ain't going to be on CNN. It's going to be heard by everyone. Those who, the believers in Australia and Asia and in Africa and in Europe and, and in the Americas and the Pacific Islands and from every corner of the globe where there are faithful believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to hear the voice of the archangel. They're going to hear the trumpet as the trumpet sound. 
And in the Bible, the trumpet always used for a variety of reasons. But on that day, it's going to be all of the above. <laughs> Trumpets were used in the Old Testament to assemble people. It was used at times of feasts. It was used in the time of celebrations. The trumpet sound for the uh, commencements. The trumpet sounded when they were getting ready to make big announcement. The trumpet sounded when they make it clear that the time has come. The time has come for us on that day to say goodbye to this fallen world, to say goodbye to temptations and grief, to say goodbye to anxiety and fear and worry, to say goodbye to tears and to sorrow and to cancer. This time will come when we say goodbye to Satan's harassment of the believers. A time will say goodbye to sin and the ravages of sin. Frederick William Faber got so enraptured with the thought of the rapture, the great day, and he reached out for his pen, and he wrote his famous hymn. Among other things, it says, great things he has taught us, great things he has done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. Ah, but that's not enough but purer and higher and greater will be our rapture, our transport when Jesus we see. In fact, the word rapture comes from the Latin word rapier or R-A-P-E-R-E. That word expresses a sense of suddenness, a sense of being snatched up quickly, a sense of being swept up, and we will be swept up together with them in the air. Here's something, and I plead with you, don't miss. Because it's troubled a lot of believers. Many of you have talked to me about this. I know it's an important question in your mind, and it is an important question for me, and I want to answer it. I don't want you to miss this very important thing. Some of you have said to me, how come, on the one hand, with one breath, he says, they come with Jesus. And then the next thing it says, the dead will rise first. Is this double talk? What does it mean? And I know even some who have cremated the loved ones are even more troubled by this. You know, what about cremation and all that stuff? Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. Here's the important thing that you must understand about this great day. Listen carefully. We have already established that the believers in Jesus already in heaven in a glorified body with Him rejoicing, right? We already established that they're already there with him. And again here, it says they're going to come with him. So what does it mean? In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you've never read it, go home and spend time and read it. He talks about the believers when they go to heaven. He said they're not naked, meaning they're not souls floating around, not closed with the glorified body. But they're already closed, he said. So they already have their glorified body. You can't go to space without a space suit, and you will never be able to go to heaven without a glorified body. So you have to have that, whether you get it on the way up or you get it when you sleep. <laughs> And so, what does it mean? They come with him, but then they rose from the dead. Here's a very, very it's much simpler than you think. It really is. <laughs> they will come with him in a glorified body <laughs> because they're already with him. But for us, who's still alive, or whoever's going to be still alive, whether us or next generation, it doesn't matter. But those who have said goodbye to the loved ones and laid them in the grave or took them to the crematorium, whatever happened... To us, they're resurrected from the dead. 
You see, we'll see them alive, and therefore they were raised, because they were raised first. They're already in the church of Jesus Christ in heaven. You see, it is that simple. It's far simpler than you think. It's not very complicated. They're going to come with him, and to us they are alive. They were risen from the dead. They're no longer in that grave. They're already with him. And that's all it means. The point that Paul is anxious to make for Thessalonians here and for us is this. It is the wonder of that great moment. Don't ever lose wonder of that great moment. Don't ever lose sight of the great moment. That's why he goes on to say, encourage one another. Talk about this. Don't think it's a morbid thing and and don't talk about it in polite companies. It's only in polite companies you can talk about this. (laughs) Did you get that? This reunion with those who went earlier and those who are caught up with them. But there's something else I don't want you to miss. Something very important. When he said, we'll meet them in the air. It's not just meaning the space. Who is the prince of the air? Ephesians 2, 2. The devil and his demons, the prince of the air. It's his domain. It's the place where he operates freely. It's the place from which he misguides and misleads. It's the place from which he tempts. It's the place from which he deceives. That is the domain of Satan. And that is why we're going to meet each other in the air. We're going to take over his domain. His domain will be our domain. His kingdom will be our kingdom and the kingdom of our God. And the Bible said the kingdoms of the earth will be the kingdom of our God. And there we'll be with him forever. That is the ultimate reunion, the reunion of all reunion. Therefore, verse 18, encourage one another with these words. You're listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Join us again next time when he continues this relevant content from his series, Until Christ Returns. You can hear this message again, or you can share it with a friend by visiting ltw.org. Now, you can also subscribe and share the Leading the Way podcast through your favorite podcast platform. Check out Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and more. Information is available at ltw.org. Now, you may only know the teaching and the ministry of Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef through the audio messages or seeing us on television. But the fact is, Leading the Way reaches worldwide, and one of the fastest-growing arms of the ministry is our popular podcast, focusing on tough issues, getting answers to the hard questions in life. It's called Candid Conversations with Jonathan Youssef. Jonathan, who serves as director of ministries in his local church and son to Dr. Michael Youssef, hosts this energetic podcast, tackling tough questions through the lens of biblical truth. Conversations surrounding suicide, relying on God in times of trouble, parenting, infertility, cancer, worship, and so much more. He welcomes guests into candid conversations, guests who can speak into these topics with compassion and with real-life experience. Find direct links to listen and subscribe at ltw.org slash candid. Or you can always search for Candid Conversations with Jonathan Youssef within your favorite podcast platform. Once again, it's ltw.org slash candid. 
In an age of increased skepticism, doubt, and misinformation, how do we equip our children and grandchildren to discern what is true and why? How do we navigate a world that feels like it's spinning out of control? Leading the way, launch Candid Conversations, a podcast designed to address the complex issues of our day with biblical truth. Candid Conversations is a weekly podcast featuring Jonathan Youssef and special guests with topics ranging from theology to relationships to mental health. The Candid Podcast is helping listeners discern biblical truth amid the noise of this world. With listeners in over 130 countries, Candid Conversations is resonating with listeners worldwide. In fact, it's already in the top 1% of podcasts globally. Join the conversation. Check out Candid Conversations with Jonathan Youssef on your preferred podcast platform today or at ltw.org slash candid. And if you ever have a question or you want to stand with Dr. Youssef financially, here's the phone number. We're at 866-626-4356. Once again, that's 866-626-4356. And our homepage, ltw.org. ltw.org. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth.